Welcome to the Brain Coffee Podcast, where doctors Eric Luthard and Albert Kim unlock life's little mysteries about health, wellness, entertainment, technology, and how the brain makes sense of it all. Sit back, relax, and open up your mind. Oh, so I saw this movie. Yeah. Uh, you probably heard about it. Uh-huh. This uh, Steven Spielberg directed this movie, Ready uh-huh. Player One. Yeah, I mean, I've been meaning to see that. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's pretty good. Very in line with, you know, I guess human machine interfaces is kind of a, a big part of kind of what I do. Obviously, you probably know the setup. It's basically yeah. Yeah. this virtual reality space called the Oasis, which mm-hmm. is, is a great name. And the Oasis is not currently owned by any particular person. It was made by this one guru, mm-hmm. and the guru uh, put into this game sort of an Easter egg. If, uh-huh. And if you solve it, then you own the whole thing. Uh-huh. And so, the, you know, a bunch of corporate people in black cars, they all want to get, you know, uh-huh. they want to solve this thing and mm-hmm. own the whole Oasis and own everyone's souls, right? right, right, right. Uh, and there's a group of kids who basically are smart and they, they end up finding this Easter egg. And, and it's interesting, but one of the big points at the end is that the guy who basically ends up owning the Oasis puts it offline twice a week. So there is no virtual reality reality twice a week for everybody. And like, people are stuck in the... In the, in the real world. In the, in the real postmodern kind of de- decrepit world. Exactly, because, you know, at some level, the Oasis was not real and it was hurting people. Uh-huh. I, mean, we, I mean, there's a lot of things like this, like addictive well, technologies that, you know... In, in many ways, you look at things like cyberbullying today, you know, yeah. where you know, the virtual world takes on a reality right. that uh, um, has real-world consequences. Yeah. I think there's some interesting neuroscience here is that you know the world the world that we live in is mostly governed by kind of the, the world that our brain creates rather than the external reality that our senses perceive right right and I, I, no you're right that's the scary thing i mean how do you resolve conflict in that world you have a disagreement with a kid when you're 7 right right i mean i shouldn't be fighting but maybe you have an argument and then you kind of become friends again face to face right 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 everything becomes much more polarized right? right like how do you have this nuance so you kind of get a sense like looking at them they kind of feel a little bad. You know yeah, what I mean? Or exactly. that, you know, they, they said something teasing, but they still like you. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like the, the, the nuance is lost in the, in the virtual world. Yeah, you can't read their faces. You, you don't know exactly what they're saying in that right. text. Or the context, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. It, it gets at something also interesting is when you look at, this is kind of diverging a little bit, but at you know, artificial intelligence and how people can create these perfectly rendered virtual versions of stuff that never happened. Oh yeah, yeah, that's scary. And with, you know, fake news and like now kind of really kind of the ability to create truly, you know, believable fake content, it almost gets at this idea, you know, I've been thinking about this term like a quantum truth, like just like we've got quantum mechanics, in quantum mechanics, for instance, uh-huh. you can never know where an electron is around an atom, right? <laughs> I see it's a probability. I see where you're going. It's a probability field, right? right. Now these days, you know, with fake news and real news and you know virtual kind of you know rendered content you can never really know right. you know kind of you know what the actual fact is like newtonian physics where you could exactly know where something is and the, is is gone and so now you've got the kind of a probability field of what may be probability true. news yeah probability news like That's you've got right. so much competing you know different content that is totally you know different representations of the world but what's the most probable reality is probably the way that new news will emerge. Yeah, no, that's problematic. I mean, people are not willing to really be accountable for what they're reading. I mean, I, or, or even what they're presenting in the news, right? I mean, right. there's this, and maybe this is old school now, but I want to see more discipline in the way things are presented and the way you read things, right? I mean, yeah, I, right? Well, I think we, it's interesting. We all want that, but the, the, just like we were talking earlier, the manner in which we crave content where we're checking news, 
the pressure to put out content is right. so intense and there's such powerful economics behind it that basically I think that's, that's reducing the rigor. You're right, you're right. And then we're like on an elevator checking the news every like 10 minutes. <laughs> we're not being disciplined about like, it either, what right? What happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but I think that's... For instance, in some senses, in the golden era of TV, when like, you know, you had like the 11 o'clock news, right? right? You know, and there's 30 minutes when you were going to get all your news. Yeah. And there was some real rigor there because it had to be presented in that short you know, time frame, and that's all you got. Right, right. I agree. So it's, it's, it's a big problem. I mean... So then you have probabilistic news, and then you have these interactions socially that are not really based on cues that the human mind is used to interpreting, right, right? right? I mean, there's no face, there's no gesticulation. And well, maybe the future is that the content and the interactions these days aren't completely meshed with kind of our neurobiology. Maybe kind of the next generation is, one can imagine VR, AR, where perhaps you see a virtual rendering of that person that, that avatar is right an avatar that truly represents and that's actively capturing you know facial recognition and social cues so right now we text and that's why for instance i'm you know why animojis are becoming popular where you <laughs> right can, where you my can, kid likes them actually you know and you can have a little talking piece of poo yeah. quite literally that you know like you know conveys your your emotions because it, it is capturing some of the you know the content in, in, a, in a very proxy way right um, I do have to say they're kind of cute, though. <laughs> but, yeah. No, but you're right. That's just the beginning. That's what it's. That's how you're going to be represented in this space. I mean, the yeah, future, like, right? So, like these very, you know, varied, you know, avatar versions that make you know the the interactions perhaps more digestible, you know, uh, for nuance. I guess it's democratic in some ways, but but then what do you base friendships or? You know, reliability, uh, you know, if someone has expertise in Again, something. it's getting a quantum truth, right? You know, like, the, the, yeah. everything, everything becomes less fixed, right? right? You know, like, everything's a probability. Like, you know, most likely that's my friend. Or most likely, you know, that that, that, that element in the news is true. Right, right. Uh, I, I mean, I hope still things like, man, I sound like such an old man, things like integrity and reliability, absolutely. accountability, will still be true in this reality. I mean, the, I guess how do I we know. get less probabilistic? Um, you know, people talk about using AI you know, to kind of, you know, to best ferret out the truth. Right. Oh, yeah. I see. That so using the very thing that's leading us the, astray. The disinformation to, yeah. you know, that for instance, idea. AI may be better positioned to identify when something's fake to, to give us that validation or, that's, that's or, a good or invalidation. I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> thing how, you know, our emotions play such a role in perception of truth. Oh, yeah. Like, what is this, you know, kind of interconnection between kind of our amygdala, which is kind of a fight or flight thing, which is overriding our ability to uh, kind of process information. Yeah, and determine the accuracy of something. Yeah, you're right, though. I, I think everyone's getting more emotional about facts and news. Well, I and guess there's a market, right? Yeah. So, for instance, when we first wrote our play, mm-hmm. you know, we realized that, you know, to really meaningfully convey the information, we had to get people engaged in an emotional way. Yeah, no, And that's, that's a positive thing, that's right? A, that's, yeah, you know, that's, that's good, right. That's theater, that's empathy, that's really kind of, you know, like, how do we connect with people? And emotions and empathy are necessarily combined, right? But I guess, you know, taking that now to the next level is you can really kind of, you know, it's, you know, kind of really supercharge that 
and supercharge somebody's emotional responses because it it fixates them on the content. And right. That, and there's it and sells that, news. Yeah. It sells news. Yeah. And so, do we even really call it news these days, or do we really call it call it emotional push buttoning? You know what I mean? Right. Like, would you like to have your emotions put, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, amped up at this moment? Well, you know, click on this link. Right. And, exactly. Um, well, I mean. There's some good things about it. I guess I remember some things that, right. you know, that's true. again, that are associated with certain you know, emotional valence or content or whatever you call it. But, but, I mean, but, a lot but of does it things, inhibit our ability to kind of to see the truth, to see the truth or to process that information to make a judgment or decision that's separate from your emotions? It's true. If you see red, I don't know if you can see the truth, right? right, right, right. Everything's that, red. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so many times, like I'm like, you know, when I, you know, I'll be at the gym in the morning. You know, they literally have every news channel up. You know, oh, see, yeah. you know, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and like so many of them are emotionally provocative. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I try to stay away from those those monitors when I go exercise. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it, it actually is taking away that calm peace that you get from running or biking or whatever it is you do in the morning. Yeah, that's right. So you know. Uh, about emotions, so, you know, we talked about the benefits or the polarization. Yeah. You know, I was just reading this interesting uh, review about where they come from, just to get kind of nerdy about it. Like, yeah. what does it mean? By what does means. an emotion mean? And right. So, it, I mean, they're really designed for you to respond to some kind of environmental stress, right? Right. Or Absolutely. stimulus. Stimulus. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. it, it, it creates a pre-processed algorithm for dealing with content. Right. So, for instance, no food. I need to get food. Right. Uh, that has some or, kind of know, emotional content. Yeah, or, or furry thing with long teeth. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, that's a saber-toothed tiger. I'm scared and oh, I'm going to yeah. run right. away. Right. You know what I mean? Like exactly. that, Those basic things. Yeah. So, I mean, if we talk about that level, I mean, even worms and... Beings like that will have some emotion. Sure. I mean, I don't know if they're feeling fear, right. but they have a as a self-actualized way. And certainly, I think you know, uh, as a former dog owner, and you've got dogs. Oh like, yeah. There, there's some proxy equivalent of emotions that you see there, right? Yeah, you know, for like, sure. That there's a valence to their general demeanor for various things. Like you know, they pee on the floor, they seem sad, and they recognize they're in trouble. Yeah, uh, she's doing that a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> No, but you're right. I, I, I mean, we can't prove that they're happy, but you're right. I, I, I believe that my, my dogs are happy sometimes when I look at their faces. And, right, right. You know, I agree with that. Um, Actually, that's been proven. Like, you can prove the emotional response of it. They've been putting dogs in um, fMRI scanners awake. This is pretty interesting. Oh, I see, I see. They put dogs in uh, fMRI scanners awake, and they can train these dogs to sit still. And then they show them uh, images of their masters, and you see areas associated with kind of like emotional activations, whether they become see, happy. So they definitely feel something when they see you. I see. Whether it feels like how we feel happy right, is right, another, right, right, exactly. Right. Right. That's interesting. So how do you build an emotional circuit from the level of a worm, like a, a roundworm? Actually, they use roundworms a lot in science, right, to right, study right. things. And then you get that to the level of, let's say, I don't know, like a reptile or bird, and then you go to mammals like uh, mice to primates and you know to, to humans. I always see it like as a color palette, meaning that uh, like for the worm, it's probably you know uh, fear and desire, mm. right? Like you know, move towards things like you know, nice moist soil. You know what I mean? Move yeah, away yeah. from the dry pavement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and as you move up the you know kind of the phylogenetic tree of you know kind of from more and more complex organisms, the kind of the emotional palette that you have becomes more and more complex. So for instance, does a dog experience jealousy? Maybe, you know, like do humans? Certainly. Do primates? Probably. Yeah, probably. You know, 
But I don't think a worm experiences jealousy. He's not jealous of his worm buddies. Right, right. You know? Um, no, you're right. It probably, at some level, it gives you some advantage at the evolutionary part of the tree that you're at. I that's agree. right. I with with peers, right? You know? Right. Uh, actually, I guess you know, more complex emotions happen once the organism becomes social. Right, right. Makes right? sense. You know, like if you're, a, if you're a singular organism, then, you know, that, that's not really in it, some type of community. So uh, here, here's a question. Do ants have emotions? Well, they have fear for sure. Um, Do they have anger? They, they're made up of cells, but then each ant is a cell, so to speak, in a yeah. larger yeah. kind of hive I mean, mentality, they, 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 they right? They're kind of like pre-programmed little automatons, you know? No, but I, I heard that they exhibit some altruistic behaviors. That's I, true, they right? do. You're right. They will go get an injured ant right. and bring them back. That, yeah, that yeah. Is, and, and the ants recover. I guess it makes sense in some sense um, if the whole, you know, if the whole colony can survive. But I don't know. There must be cases where that's not true. Like maybe getting that that f injured ant like lures the you know the wasp in. Yeah, exactly. A whole bunch of frogs in or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, that that's interesting. So um, it can be on an individual level. It can be on sort of a hive level, almost like yeah, a colony level. So like, is it almost like the colony an aware organism? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, it seems to act that way, right? In it one, certainly does. One mass. It certainly does. And I mean, you could argue that you know, humans. Interestingly enough, I mean. We're kind of a colony in the sense of uh, we're certainly a collection of mammalian cells, but by number we have more bacterial cells in our body than uh, uh, mammalian cells. That's interesting. That's true. You know, like our gut is full of a whole diverse population of different, you know, kind of uh, bacteria that play a, a very substantial role actually in our mood and our emotions. No, you're right. If you alter your gut biome, that you can become depressed. Yes. You can develop neurologic disease. And it's interesting because we talk about like what your gut say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, and as it turns out that that's really legit. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's just looking at a different level. If you look at, uh, you know, humans as, as ants, for instance. Mm -hmm. I and mean, this do, gets interesting. Yeah, that we, we do have mob mentality and, you so, know. So maybe to kind of expand that and push it a little bit, is a, a collective group of humans a self-aware organism? Like, so is the United States an organism unto itself? One could argue, yes. Like, does will it preserve? Does it have to be self-aware to be an organism? I guess that's no, one. No, but it, it certainly has an information organizing system. Meaning, like you know, if you think about the internet, you think about it preserves itself. Like for instance, just as we would be willing to take out our appendix to save our life, right, right. That you know, we would uh, the the U.S. would go to war and sacrifice soldiers to preserve its you know existence. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure if it's always self-aware, but I agree with you that it acts like an entity. It acts like an, or an yeah. independent organism. Yeah. And so, for instance, if you asked any cell in your body, what's your name, it's not going to tell you Albert King. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, you wouldn't say, I'm the United States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe there's some politicians who would, but like, you know, like... Uh... Just speaking of the United States and patriotism, I just, I just heard a funny joke. It's just, it's a bit random, but, you know, someone said that we should update the anthem. And why he's making this whole argument yeah. about why should a country have its own theme song like a teenager, <laughs> you know? And then and then the, the the idea that we have to update ours because nobody uses the word spangled anymore is <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna make sure that at some point today I'll use the term spangled. Yeah, or maybe it should be like star filled or star studded right. banner or something. <laughs> yeah, it's worth thinking about. <laughs>